Welcome to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, where we cover the science-based evidence behind social and emotional learning for schools and emotional intelligence training in the workplace with tools, ideas, and strategies that we can all use for immediate results. When we understand how the brain works, we can be better equipped to help our students focus their attention and improve their results. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and educator with a passion for learning, especially on the topics of health, well-being, and productivity. And we launched this podcast to share how important an understanding of our brain is to our everyday life and results, whether we're a teacher in the classroom or in the modern workplace. We've moved on to season eight of the podcast with a focus on our brain as it relates to learning. And today we have a case study of someone who's been using the concepts she learned from self-study to create a brain-based program in her schools and community in India, where they've already trained over 300 educators with her curriculum at the Institute of Cognitive Learning Sciences. Manjula sent me a message via my website all the way from India, letting me know that she'd listened to episode 220 with Dr. Kiran Omani and Rich Carr on brain-centric design. And she let me know she was a student of Dr. Kiran's programs and wanted to share what she was doing in India. I could tell that she was really excited about the work they were doing. And so I wrote back quickly and we set up a Zoom call to talk. I'll let Manjula explain what she's doing in schools in India, the need she saw to change the way typical classrooms were operating by inspiring teachers, not forcing them to do something they didn't want to do. She shared with me how she began to study neuroscience using free content as much as she could find online, including our podcast, before she became certified and began creating change one school at a time. When you meet Manjula, I'm hoping that she'll inspire you to keep searching for those students, those ones that need a bit of a push to reach their full potential. She was told as a young girl that she was below average in school and felt disconnected with her grades. But as she grew older, she wanted to prove to herself and others that she did indeed have unlimited potential and the will to make significant change in her community. You can't miss the fire in her spirit. Let's meet Manjula from India and see how she's using brain-based learning to inspire students in her classrooms. Welcome, Manjula. It's so wonderful to see you again. And I've got to say, it was so powerful to meet you yesterday in Zoom and to see the work that you're doing in India. It's phenomenal. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much. And it's a pleasure meeting you and uh, happy to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm so thrilled that you sent me that email um, through my website, because if someone takes the time to go to that contact us page, I usually look at it. And so I'm just so grateful that you reached out and shared what you're doing because it's pretty powerful to open up. Do you think you can just share your story and your background and perhaps how you got to where you are today? Because life growing up in India is very different than in Canada or the US or even the UK. Can you just start there? 
Let me share my childhood and I'm the eldest in my family and I have three sisters, lovely sisters and Mamata, Madhuri and Megha and one tiny little brother, uh, Nitish Kumar. And I belong to a very loving, very caring family. My dad, T. Virana and my mom, Vijayalakshmi. They took care of us uh, in a very beautiful and with a loving care, support and we're all emotionally connected. And my dad had a huge responsibility of taking care of all of us. And he gave us the best of best facilities, whatever it was possible from his end. And uh, he admitted us in uh, school, Kendra Vidyalaya. I love my school. Uh, in school days with my friends, I enjoyed a lot. Uh, but the one thing I hated is like learning alphabet, uh, learning numerical, learning math, science and social science. It was just routine. I used to just get bugged up, like looking at my, especially my assessment and my report cards and my answer scripts with lots of red pens, like Manjula got four out of 20, five out of 20, 30 out of 100. It was like, I used to feel like, wow, why am I? Why am I coming to school? As to, and the two teacher, whenever they are giving the scripts, they used to tell Manjula is good for nothing. She can't do anything. That was the feedback I used to receive always. And they used to again call my parents and give the same feedback. Manjula cannot excel. Manjula cannot do anything. She is just a waste of time. Instead of her, one more, a good child can occupy her seat. That was the feedback uh, I, uh, my teachers used to give my parents. And my parents used to always feel bad to come to school. But me as a child, always, I just love to play. I love to sing songs. I love to sing. I love to dance. And I love, I love to do lots of projects. And like in my school, all the CCA co-curricular activities, I was the one. You want <laughs> like go to field trips and everywhere it's like Manjula, everywhere. Like I was a superstar, like talking to every boys, every girls, every teachers. But when it comes to the academics, like I would be the last, from last I would be the first. So that was my case as a, as a child in, my, uh, in the school. But again, at home, like again, since my mom had uh, the tiny little ones and I had to help her a lot in household and somewhere I used to feel that like all my friends are having a beautiful child. They, they get a lot of ample time to dress up. They go to play. They go outing with their parents. Somewhere I used to feel at home that I need to help mom and sitting at home and taking care of babies. And again, like my whenever my sisters started going to school, my dad, dad is always insisting, why don't you help your sisters? Why don't you help your sisters? Like, it was like, that was the kind of thing I grew up. And again, my dad, since we come up, came from a very traditional background, my dad, like by then I reached around 12, 13, by 15, 16, they started searching boys. And by 21, I got married. Uh, so that was my trajectory. But I felt like after my post my marriage, like the life changed for me. I got a very handsome, very understanding husband where he helped me to perceive my higher education. From there, I did my post-graduation in English, post-graduation uh, post in education, and again, post-graduation in geography. And right from childhood, I always wanted, like whenever my dad's friends or my friends used to ask me, hey, Manjula, what do you want to become when you grow up? Like the I used to tell, I want to become a doctor. 
that was like I used to always tell I want there should be a prefix before my, my name Dr. Manjula that was like I used to always tell but somehow like the I didn't get an opportunity to take into the science stream with the various other uh, uh, reasons. So how did you become interested in studying and learning about the brain? How did you find resources to learn about the brain from the very beginning? So, but still like as a child and as an adult, I started finding my passion and uh, like an internet is a blessing for all of us. And I started learning, identifying the gurus, what we tell the teachers. And uh, I started learning on my own. I just love brain. Brain is a marvelous organ, which is stuck between our ears, which has got limitless potential. But then I didn't know that potential. I just knew it as an anatomical organ, which is helping us to uh, survive. But maybe like I started learning in, in, as I grew older, I started learning that it is not just helping us to uh, survive, but it is helping us to thrive in our lives. It is helping us to follow our passion. It's all about brain. That was like, it's really inspiring for anyone who wants to, who wants to fall in love with the brain. And next is Dr. Wendy Suzuki. Again, she has done an immense contribution in the field of neuroscience and her, especially her, her work on exercises, especially how the aerobic exercises helps us to uh, like uh, uh, give new birth to the neurons in our brain. Right, again, the, the, there is a change in the hippocampal region and the uh, increase of BDNF and so on. And again, the the exercises also helps into secrete lots of neurotransmitters like serotonin, oxytocin, dopamine, norepinephrine, and so on. That is like amazing work what she has done. And again, I go through all her work, what she's already posted in YouTube's and other open education resources. So like like that, like again, Robert Sapolsky. And the best part is my again guru is Karen O'Mohony, like where I met him in the year 2020 when the pandemic broke. I used to again browse since I'm a I surf a lot on internet and I happened to write him as I wrote to you. Similarly, I wrote to Karen and very sick, in within six hours of time, I could connect with him. And I, I told him, Karen, I'm just a teacher and this is what is my passion. I want to do something more and I want to learn about brain, how the brain functions and how the brain helps us to process information and how the brain helps us to uh, have the deep, deep understanding and so on. These are the books like he introduced me. The first ever book which I... He introduced Manjula, if at all, if you want to know more about neuroscience, first read this book, The Dad, The Talent Code, written by Daniel Coyle. This was the first book I read ever. So then from then onwards, like it's like the journey was is fabulous working with him. And then like we used to do lots of teacher training programs along with Kiran. And again, me as an individual here in India. Uh, Institute for Brain and Behavior Research Foundation, and again, my organization, International Institute for Cognitive and Learning Sciences. Under these banners, we I have traveled across the country and I touched almost 40,000 plus teachers. So that's how the exposure I got with him and learned a lot about the various modules, right from neuroplasticity, orchids and dandelions, uh, connecting uh, social and emotional learning through neural, uh, seeing your social and emotional learning through neural, neural lens, then the neural art. 
if, is it okay if we go back um, to your younger years when you were, you know, everyone didn't expect a lot from you. How do you think that you went from there? Um, who inspired you or who kind of pushed you to do more than was expected of you? Yeah, uh, this is a very good question. Where I have seen like, again, since like I'm working with the other part of the world teachers and again in the teachers in our country and the parents in our country. So like I feel in other part of the countries or the, the parents or the teachers, they're not that pushy. They, they teach, they go and they, they'll complete their job. But here, teachers and parents are very pushy. Like, you have to do, you have to learn, you have to buy heart, you have to score well, and you need to have A-plus scores, A-plus A grades. So that is what in India we are made up of. We, in India, like, uh, we don't believe, like, it's not like we don't believe. Whether you, you know to think or you're creative or critical, you know to collaborate, you have good communication skills, we are not sure about it. But when a child passes grade 10, he should have 90% or 100%. Wow. So in the beginning, it's all about rote learning. Like even the school owner knows that in his school, like there is rote learning happening. The teachers knows that they're just uh, having that chalk talk method, but they don't ever uh, admit that they are in the wrong model. They don't admit. When they did tell you they're see... always right. Manjula, when did you see that it needed to change the road model for you to come in and say, now let's do experiential brain-based activities? When did you see that? And do you get pushback in India from people that want to do the old way? Yes, here, like me, I used to always feel that I have immense potential because I used to always excel in dance, music, and any kind of co-curricular activities. But I used to always fail when it comes to academics. If you ask me to fill in the blanks, if you ask me to write, to fill up the like short answers, long answers, essay types, I used to go zero. I used to get blanked. And I'm not sure. If you ask me any kind of like with, with lots of enthusiasm, I speak and I come. But writing was like, when I see question paper, like I, my amygdala used to get hijacked. That was a kind I used to always feel. But when I became, a, that was in my childhood. But when I became a teacher, I used to always feel that I'm standing apart. I had the schools where I worked, we had 200 plus teachers in a very large organizations I have worked. I used to feel that teachers are again doing the routine work, but somewhere I used to feel that, oh, I'm not doing something the way they are doing. I used to feel that I'm interacting with my students. I'm building the trust with the students. I'm creating that safe place with the students. So somewhere like in class, I used to feel that, wow. But again, when I come back to the staff room, I used to have the gap between the other colleagues and myself. They used to tell that Manjula is doing so much. She's not coming. She's not following us. She's, they used to always keep me at bay. Because again, they used to feel that I need to do more work because Manjula is doing. Because I used to do lots of projects, my charts, my class was very colorful. And I used to have good connect with the parents and students. So then like I felt like routine, the students who are studying in a routine classrooms, students who are learning in a very interactive classroom, there is a huge shift. The students were the students who are sitting in my classroom, they're very engaged. I never punished my students or I've never yelled at my students. But this, the same set of students in my section students, when an other teacher goes with a stick or she goes with a grumpy face, they stood, the students used to plan for the teachers. Oh. 
Yep. So what did, what are the teachers now that you're working and training them? How do they respond to this? Do they like it or do they like the old way? Better? Actually, like um, probably before I met Karen, uh, we used to do lots of teacher training program, but I was not sure about the what learning outcomes I have achieved. I used to do training programs. It was fabulous because since I'm a very lively lady, a teacher used to enjoy and they used to give me full feedback, uh, like five-star feedback. But again, like after three months, if I do a follow-up session with the schools, I used to feel that they have again gone back to the same old routine. But once after I met Karen and we stepped into this challenge mosaic model and training them on the principles of neuroscience, there is a shift. Though they in the initial phases, they used to feel that they like, why a social science teacher should know about neuroscience? They've asked me that question. Why is English teachers should know about the brain anatomy? They've asked us. But now after the training, they, they just come in the training hall, they sit in a poker face, they're just staring into our eyes. I feel that they are in a very stressed environment. They are in the hijack. What is this Manjula doing all next five days or three days? They, they're literally in a hijack. But after that, creating the discipline in the classroom and create, giving that me here now and space for them, then after the three hour session that uh, revised uh, reflection, revised thinking and report out, it's like I have broken the ice with them. The, from then, like it is like a beautiful takeoff. And by the end of fifth day, during the graduation day that they tell, yes, if I want to be a teacher, I'll be a neural educator. That is the shift I have seen. And post, I have done a couple of pilot projects in India where it was a fabulous, indeed a fabulous results I have seen. But I have seen almost 100% result in students, but with teachers, it's like 50-50. I'm not sure because maybe the teachers are still very hardwired and they don't want to do, I'm not sure. But students, like they are like fab. Yeah, it's interesting in the U.S., I can tell the states that are um, that believe in the science of reading or brain-based learning based on the numbers of downloads in that state. Certain states are very clearly not believers, and it's the whole state, meaning the whole school district. People there are old school. They believe in learning a certain way, and there still is pushback of learning um, with the brain in mind in the US, even though you you would think that every state would be on board, it's not the case. There's still some old school um, ways that- Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you I absolutely, like since like European countries or the British, like they rule the world and they have incepted the British or the behaviorist model. And getting out of the deep-rooted behaviorist model, it's not easy. And we are swimming against the current, against the currents, right? And inserting a cognitive model, it's it's a bit ch- challenge. But I'm sure, like within with in the next span of 15, 20 years, right. we can do a considerable change in the society. It's a slow change. Uh, I believe Rome was not built in a day. I think we, we all can do. That's why we are here. For sure. And you said something to me when we were talking yesterday that was really interesting about the differences that you see, um, perhaps with the curriculum for the U.S., where we focus on, um, you know, values. And you mentioned that that's not even something you consider because it's done in the home. Can you talk about 
how how are values and character and all of these social and emotional skills taught in the home from an early age? How does that, how do you do that in India? Absolutely. First, before giving a comparative study between US and India, let, let me tell how in India functions. Yeah. Uh, in Canada, I just tell you a phrase in Canada, we tell that uh, that means home is the first school and mother is the first teacher. So like, you know, the difference between a house and a home, right? So home is filled with lots of emotions, love, affection, sense of belongingness. And mother is the first teacher to her child. So she teaches, she handles her kid, she feeds the child, she always makes sure that the child is in safe hands. It's not just safe, but she gives lots and lots and loads of love and affection. She always keeps talking to the child, she engages the child, and she hardly punishes the child. So if any teacher follows the motherly strategies, how a mother takes care of her kid, if the teacher also follows the same pattern, it's like instead of putting the effect, the result in the first place, uh, you can always put effect in the first place. It's like effect, teach for an, teach for emotions, teach for an orchid. Uh, then like you can see a fabulous uh, output, but that, that emotions, what we place, bring in from the home, the values, character building, everything is like, it is like hardwired. Like if, uh, like Manjula, like, she has got her own principles. I should not lie. I should be very honest. I should be truthful. I should be very punctual. I should be disciplined. There are certain, like the way we have, we have grew up that my parents, like I need to sit in a certain way and have my food. I should early morning. I need to wake up and have my bath. I need to have my breakfast. I need to pray our God, whatever the belief you have in, we need to go to temples. And it's like, the way we are brought up, it's like, it's very important. Again, when all those do, uh, like temples or whatever, those are all external, but how the bonding is there between the parents and the family members, that is really a fundamental aspect for any child. But the, now the slightly, there is a change in the trends. I have seen lots of divorce happening in India. There are lots of single parents. Uh, it might be some X, Y, Z reason, maybe the, uh, there might be some untoward uh, incident have taken place in the family or some divorce cases or some live-in relationship. These are the modern kind of uh, families, like they want to live in a family, but they don't want to have a kind of commitment to commitment between the partners. So in such cases, the child who was brought up in that kind of scenario it's i feel that the child is will be very disruptive disturbed and uh, he'll he faces certain uh, crisis in emotional balance that's what i feel he's always in uh, uh, fight fl flight or freeze mode so in that condition like teacher if she teaches anything it's like the learning gateway is always closed I've got to so, ask this because let's say that you've got a child that was raised with love and care and values and all yeah. of that. When they hit, you, you've got two ninth grade twins, girls, yes. right? Are they girls? Yeah, no, boys. Boys, boys. Okay. So you've got two boys. Now, 
when you're telling them rules or what they should be doing, do you get eye rolling in India from them? You know, where they don't want to do what you're saying? Does that happen or is that only? Uh, no, like right from babies, like the system, what I have brought in is I don't yell at them. Right, the Apu, you need to do this, right? If you do this, I don't you feel comfortable? I, I put that in their shoes. It, the decision is theirs. Oh. I tell them, if you do this, this might be a result. If you do the other side, this might, this might be the result. The decision is yours. I leave the decision to them. Wow. Wow. And then they usually and do like the right they feel thing. that they have that autonomy. They, ha- they feel that they have that sense of responsibility. So wow. any, in, any child, when the child is experiencing that autonomy and he knows the purpose, then definitely the autonomy and purpose will lead to mastery. That's what I have learned that motivation, right? Love it. So like maybe the last 10 years, I have, I have done the things unknowingly uh, about the, unknowingly I have followed the principles of neuroscience. Got it. Well, what about the training that you're doing um, in the schools? Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you're doing? Um, maybe for someone that, you know, I put all the links to what you're doing in the show notes. For someone that wants to follow and learn, I think what I wanted to showcase was the fact that here was somebody that has taken these brain-based principles and started their own program with a certification from Kiran. But what are you doing in the schools? What curriculum are you using? Uh, that sort of thing. Uh, actually, now we are doing the curriculum. Like we have co-created myself and Kiran. We have co-created the curriculum for the teachers. And whatever the curriculum we have created, we, I have slightly customized to the Indian context because I cannot just feed the, the content what he has created to the US audience. So uh, the, maybe the, the principles of neuroscience remains the same. The illustrations and case studies, what we give it in India is slightly customized and we give uh, we give that touch of that, our culture, our ethos, because end of the day, any individual should connect, right? right? Yeah. So that's how we do. And uh, we are doing with the basic courses and the basic course for five days and advanced courses for the three, three days. And also like uh, with like lots of brainstorming I had with Karen, we have come up with the concept of neural concept school, where like we are not just uh, training teachers and just leaving them, but uh, we are make sure that like we are handholding the teachers throughout the academic year. Fortunately, once we do the greenhousing and we just, uh, we just give that our lending years to the teachers. We just ask the three questions, the three scaffolding questions where the answer is there with the teachers. And we uh, allow teachers to experience themselves. That was what was surprising to you. And what did you know earlier, but now see in a new way and what further help you need? These are the three questions every teacher will share with us in during our greenhouse sessions. And it's a good experience. And um, again, uh, uh, like since our main motive is on the building this brain structures rather than the pouring content. So since a child is already having that, all the structures in place, I think any kind of questions, it might be analytical or critical or even the remembering, I think the, uh, the answering questions would be just a cakewalk for the children. Uh, so I, we don't emphasize the teachers on the red marks and scores. And even the way we have created the rubrics, it's like 
Wow. Uh, I would like to, in case if you have time, I would like to showcase the rubrics or the schemas for formative assessments, how we have created. Because our shift, uh, the, the main focus is not on the content, but is on the, again, social and emotional connect. And again, with how the child is moving from uh, a basic level to the metacognition level. All right, I'll just uh, give you a just brief outline about how we have formed the schemas for formative learning. So formative assessments are very important and it's an integral part of the child's uh, understanding the child's progress in from the academic perspective. So here in most of the schools, it might be traditional schools or the worldwide, their main focus is on the content. And definitely content communication skills and body language and so on, or the like logical sequence, all those things, that is what they check. But here, like me and Karen, we have drafted, uh, you know, it's like, it's a beautiful, like on the four ideas we have drafted, like idea generation, metacognition, intrinsic motivation, and adaptive expertise. On these four headlines, and we have again gave a list of words which will the teacher can pick and choose the words and create their own rubrics for the their class their age group and the the activity what they have taken maybe it might be dumb charades or it might be group discussion or it might be a role play or a quiz and so on so any activity they can just pick and choose the words given in the list on these four ideas idea generation metacognition, intrinsic motivation, and adaptive expertise. Could then, you like example of maybe what uh, you would... Uh, like, uh, for example, if the child wants to... Here, uh, as a teacher, I'm conducting group discussion for grade four. So for group discussion, uh, if my scores is for 20 marks, my rubric will be original ideas and uh, self-awareness and mastery over the content. And he's very compassionate. So what is your vision for what you're building? You know, you went from being, you know, Mandela in class that, you know, the traditional model wasn't working for you. Then you studied and you learned the basics of neuroscience and then you got certified with Kiran. What do you see next for you and for others in your community? Oh, it's already like I'm the first, my organization is the first who has taken the brain-based classroom in India. It's a neural education in India. I'm the first pioneer over here. And I want to take it to the entire India, even uh, if if God gives me inner strength, I want to take it to the, the entire Asian countries. And again, if God gives more strength, I want to go to worldwide. It's like, I want to spread the message of its ultimate is brain-based instruction, which will really uh, bring a shift in teachers in terms of mindset expertise and motivation so i want to see that i want to experience it and i want to make uh, give that safe place for all the teachers in the world and create a joyful teaching and learning experience for every one of us well, you've got such a powerful story, Manjula. I loved when uh, when we were talking, I could see your passion on the brain. And 
And I see a lot of myself and you from watching all the videos, trying to find out who's talking about the brain and who can I learn from and filling up notebooks and, and then saying, well, I've got to get certified somewhere. You know, it really helps when you get a professional or you get some sort of certification behind you to bring you more credibility for what you're doing. And I think it's very powerful. Is there anything that, I've missed that you want to touch on before we just kind of give people access to where they find you. What what would you like to close up with? I just want to tell all the educators that don't label any child and we should understand that brain is very malleable and believe that we have 100 billion neurons and it's about focus on building the structures and create the safe place believe in neuroplasticity plasticity believe in RAS, believe in self-efficacy and it's then it's all about like experiencing that wow moment with every one of us so you can all reach up reach out to me uh, visiting our website www.iicls.co.in and you can also find me manjula virana in linkedin and is even in my facebook and also visit in my YouTube channel, IICLS. It was love. I just, I was super excited talking to you, Andrea. It was a fabulous experience. Maybe in out of excitement, my thoughts were just heavy. <laughs> I don't know, like how logically I shared my experience with you. No, it was perfect. It was perfect. What we can do is we'll put um, images in there to help explain as you're talking because you have so much passion. And and when you said right there, um, just to, to reminder for people to not label, it was because you were labeled, right? She's not going to um, make it or she's not going to, um, doesn't have much opportunity. Absolutely. I'm not typical. I can consider me myself as a case study. A child in uh, a Manjula as a child, she everybody told her that she cannot do anything. She's good to be just a housewife. But today, the same Manjula is inspiring thousands and thousands of teachers in India and even across the world. So that itself, it shows that the brain is very malleable, right intervention and right interaction and giving that good epigenetics with where with whom you interact everyday basis, then definitely it's like it's uh, it's like experiencing the possibilities and uh, ultimate potential in every one of us. Yep. And that's why we do this podcast. And I want to thank you so much for sharing your story and your vision for the change in education. You've created something incredible. And I know that as more and more teachers get involved in your program, you're going to impact change in India and globally. If people want to learn more about you, is it just as the best place? I put all the links, LinkedIn, and I put your YouTubes where you show the work that you're doing, what you're doing, how interactive you're being with the students, with teaching them about the dendrite. So cool. It's amazing. The videos are really cool. Is that the best place for people to find you then? Absolutely. They can find me. They can come down to Bangalore. Bangalore is a metropolitan city. Worldwide people live here. They take lots of, it's like uh, Silicon City of India, like lots of tech companies you can see here. It's a mini, uh, the entire world, the entire world is there in Bangalore. 
you can see Americans, you can see Spanish, you can see Europeans, you can see all kind of Indians, different state people in Bangalore. That's a kind of city it is. And it's a beautiful experience in Bangalore. I do invite you to Bangalore and we can co-host many programs, uh, neuroscience meeting, social science, uh, social and emotional thing. Absolutely. I would love to come to India. I haven't been yet. So put it on my list, put that on the list. And thank Absolutely. you so much. You just, uh, let's have a handshake. We complement each other. Neuroscience and the social emotional learning, it's like two faces of the same coin. Sure. So I think we can go hand in hand and definitely we can go together in India as well. That would be fun. Thanks so much, Manjula. Thank you so much. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 